for those of you who have not listened in, uh, Kern and I have a podcast called the Marketing Automation Discussion. Uh, we talk about everything from data compliance, automation, um, how to acquire and utilize and act on data in a responsible, effective, compliant manner. So definitely recommend checking in on previous episodes where we dive into a lot of different stuff around data and automation. Um, today, we are going to discuss a question that was posed to us from the guys uh, and girls over at Science. Uh, and um, we are excited about this one because it's an important topic. Uh, the specific question is, what are lead generation trends in 2018? Uh, what Kern and I like to do is provide really actionable responses to these questions and in these episodes to so give you a really precise takeaways uh, that you can go ahead and run with, not, not general fluff. So um, along those lines, let's get started. Uh, are you ready for this one, Karen? Yeah, sure. Let's go. Perfect. Um, the first thing I did in this, uh, in this answer is to define lead generation. So there's a couple different definitions there. They're just screenshots from Wikipedia, Webster's Dictionary, and Marketo's. So you can get an idea of how people define lead generation before you read through. Um, I will post this answer on Quora when we're done, as well as provide a link to the episode and uh, the screencast here if you'd like to watch it. Um, then I mentioned some of these trends that I found on an article that was ranking for the lead generation trends of 2018. Um, most people will predict um, or are predicting that um, B2B lead gen specifically uh, is, is going to require more email automation, uh, more email marketing. Um, a lot of people are predicting search engine rankings will be more of a factor in actually converting these leads. Um, live events are gonna be a bigger part of the picture as more one-to-one -one style communication um, increases in the importance of one-to-one -one communication. And then this term of account-based marketing. Um, and this is something um, Karen and I discussed. It's, it's, it's sort of a, a United States, one of these United States terms that we kind of create a buzzword, if you will. But account-based marketing, uh, if, for those of you who don't know, um, it's sort of referencing a strategy that focuses on um, the best fit prospect for your customers or best fit prospect uh, in your marketing campaigns, um, which is really just another way of saying focused, targeted, or one-to-one -one communication, which is something we talk a lot about. Um, so we will use that term, but um, it's synonymous with one-to-one -one communication in terms of how we define it and how we reference it. Um, so uh, the way we'll do this is uh, Kern and I will kind of split this up. I'll introduce a couple topics that Kern is, is uh, more apt to answer. And uh, then I will answer one of the section topics and then we'll conclude and we'll give you a couple takeaways there at the end. So definitely listen in through the entire episode. Uh, the three sections that we're going to focus on are section one is, is, is called increased regulations force higher quality. Uh, section two is a shift from bulk data providers to in-house or outsourced data curation providers. And section three is Sales Navigator will become more necessary while LinkedIn becomes less useful. Um, now I'm gonna go ahead and introduce section one and then I'll pass it back 
to Curran to uh, talk about this. So section one, again, is increased regulations forced higher, forced higher data quality. Um, so Curran, why don't you go ahead and talk about what you meant by that? Sure. Yeah. Uh, thank you, uh, Alex, for introducing the, uh, the topic. Um, first of all, let me give you some relevance on, on why it is, it is important for us to even know about this topic. Uh, we are a company based out of Berlin, um, so based out of Germany, uh, hubcell.com. And, and obviously, in order to uh, do sales automation, uh, we need to be compliant to the GDPR and make sure that our customers are also compliant to the GDPR. Now, it doesn't only, um, you know, apply to people uh, or let's say companies which are in Europe. And this is something that we have, you and I have discussed in previous podcasts as well. Uh, but it's good to repeat. It's an important topic. It's good to repeat it. Um, the main point uh, is basically that in 2018, uh, GDPR was enforced, even though the documentation is, uh, was approved a long time ago, but it was enforced uh, on May 25th, uh, 2018. And what I want to share about that and the impact that it's going to have on the way companies will behave when they are doing lead generation is a, uh, they need to be compliant. And for that, let's talk about who, who does it imply to, yeah? So GDPR impacts uh, pretty much any company that has in any way uh, a segment or target market in, uh, that's a targeting European persons or persons that are located in Europe. Uh, you could be an American company, and let's say that one of your uh, um, one of your uh, segments of, of your overall market is European. You will definitely mm -hmm. need to um, you will definitely need to be compliant to the to the GDPR. So let's talk about the compliance. Um, in order to make your data collection compliant, you need to show a legitimate reason of having that data. Uh, the, about the person that is covered by the GDPR, which makes it difficult to, to um, buy data that is pre-existent. So that's, that's one key trend that mm -hmm. is going to impact lead generation. Less reliance, or it is going to be hard to rely on pre-existing uh, uh, data. You will need mm -hmm. to curate it, and then it's fine, right? And on the top of that, one of the things that the GDPR... Um, kind of mandates you to do is keep that data accurate and updated. Yeah. And that is mm -hmm. going to be one of the other things that is going to make data curation um, a, pref a preferred strategy over buying leads and so forth. Okay. Mm -hmm. And finally, the execution of your campaigning uh, will need to take into consideration the opt opt in versus opt out requirements of different countries across the world. But especially within Europe, yeah? So mm -hmm. that particular trend is not yet finalized. It will be finalized in 2019, mainly because a blanket level European regulation called the e-privacy regulation is going to be the, the deciding factor. Um, so let me uh, take a brief uh, uh, side conversation here. B2C is going to be opt-in. It's, it's clear now. So when you are doing B2C lead generation, uh, make sure that you are compliant with the opt-in requirements. The only question that is still open is whether B2B will be opt-in or opt-out. And that will be decided um, somewhere, let's say, late this year, early next year, um, and, and forced 
around the same time. Uh, currently, the European Parliament and European Council, they are at two different uh, uh, camps, so to speak. And once it's decided, it will be implemented Europe-wide. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So these are going to be the two key trends. One, acquisition, retention, processing, as well as main, uh, let's say updating and maintaining of that data, that is GDPR, and then the execution of your campaigns is going to very much need to comply with the e-privacy. It's going to be the two key uh, overarching uh, legal, uh, uh, imp let's say, factors that are going to impact lead generation. Very cool. Yeah, I added a quick note there. Um, B2C is opt-in only. Uh, B2B is yet to be decided on whether it will be opt-in only in EU, and we expect that decision to come in the next six months. Would you agree? Absolutely, yeah. Beautiful. This is going to be a great episode. Mm -hmm. And uh, and again, we're focusing on B2B with this answer. Um, so uh, we'll talk uh, specifically about B2B from here on out. Um, section two, uh, we want to talk about a shift from bulk data providers to in-house or outsourced data curation providers. Uh, what is a bulk data provider? Uh, we list some examples in here, like ZoomInfo, Clearbit, data.com. I've used Book Your Data before um, and uh, had a great experience. There's nothing, uh, nothing wrong with these platforms, but a uh, prediction of ours is, is going to be a shift to more hand-curated ad hoc um, specific uh, data providers. And uh, those can be in-source teams, I'm sorry, internal teams or outsource teams. And a quick anecdote from myself and some experience that I've had recently. So I did purchase um, a couple of lists from bookyourdata.com uh, later in 2017. Um, I did not hear from their, uh, their representatives, their salespeople for quite some time in 2018. I think I bought my last uh, data set in the fall of 2017. And as we all know, uh, GDPR was enacted in May of 2018. And uh, just about the time that GDPR was enacted, I started getting bombarded by emails asking me about my data needs and uh, what I'd like to buy and whether I'd like to buy the specific list or that specific list from their uh, sales team, which um, again, this is speculative, uh, but that's what this post is about. But I want to make sure that um, my uh, my prediction is 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 known that I, I believe this is indicative of uh, them kind of assuming that a shift is coming away from buying bulk data, bulk data, yes. and focusing more on outsourced teams. So they're trying to just capture some last minute revenue before that uh, change kind of happens. That's my speculative. Uh, guess, but um, I think it's worth mentioning. So, well, uh, current that uh, let me add something to that. I think yeah. it's um, it's it's not the end of the bulk data providers. I don't think so. I think it's definitely a shrinkage in the market uh, that they have experienced, mainly because a pretty big chunk of their market, which is the European uh, Union, um, all of a sudden became very very skittish, uh, and they don't want to buy uh, bulk data anymore, <laughs> and they, they are they're worried about the GDPR and, and getting potential fines. So um, that was felt by everybody. I think mm -hmm. the, um, the, the bulk providers can still do something uh, about this whole thing, but they will need to make some you know, changes which will uh, uh, fundamentally uh, impact their business model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we both agree on that. Um, it will change their, uh, their business model and their practices in some way, shape or form. 
um, it will not be the end uh, by any means, at least not in the near term. Um, so, so look out for those. That's definitely one of at least my predictions in the near future. And, and Kern, why don't you go into what you meant by this section, uh, a shift from bulk data providers to in-house uh, or outsourced data curation teams. Just explain what you wrote here for anyone listening. Yeah, sure. So the the reason I believe that there is there's going to be a, a shift from uh, pre-existing uh, databases or let's say bulk data providers uh, to to uh, teams that you train yourself in-house or remotely or just work with companies that have teams uh, that provide structured high-quality data uh, has to do with a few different things. One, um, legal. Uh, frameworks are changing. Uh, regulation is going to impact the way you are working with data. And and it happens to be that uh, if you are collecting data yourself, so curating data, you are compliant. Yeah, It's very easy to be compliant if you can um, show that you have a legitimate business uh, interest. However, if you're buying data, that becomes a little harder to, to prove. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is then, let's say, one factor that is making this, uh, this, this, you know, shift that is forcing this shift to occur, which is the legal. Another one is, um, in my opinion, that um, automation in lead generation uh, um, is reaching a very, very, let's say, um, um, very basic level now. Pretty much any company can do that. Uh, which is increasing the noise. Therefore, in order to stand out, you really need quality data and very, very specific, relevant data that you can act on with a lot of, uh, let's say, um, customization as well as focus, kind of tying into Mm -hmm. the uh, ABM, you know, account-based sales, account-based marketing. Uh, Those kind of things are only possible if you have high-quality data and you can stand out from the noise that Mm -hmm. is there. So that's the other trend. Because it's so normal to do lead, uh, automated lead generation now, you got all practice, good practice, bad practice, horrible practice to excellent practices, all in the same field. And the data quality is going to, you know, uh, create different levels that you can potentially be at. So both data providers make you fit to their data, whereas curation, the data fits to your process, to your needs. So that's, that's that core uh, shift. Mm-hmm why I believe that this, sh- this shift is going to happen, right? And in order yep. to stay uh, uh, competitive, right, uh, the companies are not going going to only need to, uh, um, you know, be omni-channel, let's say in many, many different channels at the same time in an orchestrated way, not just randomly spray and pray, uh, but but rather, um, you know, do one one particular uh, uh, exercise in one and then in another channel you do something else but it's all part of the bigger game that is going to be one of the ways that companies will gain competitive edge over their competition right time is timing is going to be very very important and both data does cannot really provide you timing it's it's something that needs to be checked on an ongoing basis almost near real time as i say so near real time sales intelligence and high quality relevant prospect data combined together are going to result in very targeted on time multi channel orchestrated marketing i love it that was very good and um while you were talking i pulled up this 
this uh, article about um, a situation that Casper.com, the mattress company, ran into where they were using a technology similar to, um, to Clearbit, where they were enriching data uh, provided in forms on their site. So an example is you would add your name, maybe you put in a fake email address, but you put in a real phone number or maybe a real real email address, but a fake phone number, a fake address. Um, this company called Navistone actually enriches the data that you provide in the form and Casper was collecting that data as they would type it in and enriching it, which is something that I believe Clearbit provides as well. And a lot of companies are using it. So yeah. under GDPR and one of the trends that we expect is more companies will get slapped for these sort of automated data capturing as well as, you know, on the purchasing side, the same difference. Um, uh, but doing this sort of bulk automated, just capture and grab anything you have, um, that is going to be a big no-no as of course, if you did this with a uh, citizen of the EU or someone as we were corrected, or I was corrected, someone in the EU, not necessarily a citizen, uh, you would get slapped and fined. And uh, we expect that to be more prevalent, especially as these uh, data trends um, start to unfold with regards to compliance. And uh, you mentioned the bulk data providers. Um, and now I will mention a quick example mm -hmm. of um, uh, more of a, something that I'm, I'm more uh, used to and, and something that affects my day to day, um, which is, you know, I have, I have clients and I have friends and um, uh, former colleagues that have used these, these low cost tools like any lead, scrap hunter, find that lead to go ahead and, and, and procure data and um, enrich data sets and grab LinkedIn profiles and run automations on. Um, so this is something that I've experienced, but it's a trend where not only are some of these tools breaking and not able to keep up with uh, changes to LinkedIn from a development standpoint to keep themselves valuable, um, but the data, and this is again, this is a personal experience. I'm not saying everyone is experiencing the same thing, but the data is becoming less and less apparent uh, with regards to when I run um, an automated scrape on a filter on LinkedIn, the data I get back and data being email addresses specifically um, is not as prevalent. You know, I don't get as high of a match rate, if you will. Um, so a good use case or an example that uh, uh, that uh, that I've seen is is uh, let's just say you're an entrepreneur or you run an agency and you use a tool like Hunter. Um, you may have been using this tool for just micro campaigns. Just grab a filtered data set on uh, CEOs in this niche because you have a new product or service or, or or you're going to an event. Right. So these types of use cases, I believe, will be affected by not only uh, the change in uh, the, the legal landscape, but also, uh, and we'll touch on this a little bit more, but the change in, in how those tools operate on top of LinkedIn and, uh, and Sales Navigator. A lot of these tools that I mentioned work on top of LinkedIn.com and not Sales Navigator. So we're gonna see a little bit of a shift in uh, LinkedIn's business model, pushing um, some of those tools out, uh, trying to break them in order to push more people into Sales Navigator to boost their revenue. Um, so, uh, I believe the change there will be, uh, a validation rate will drop when you're using these cheap tools. Um, I believe more tools will experience service interruptions. So you'll grab a data set and you may get an automated email saying, Hey, uh, we're experiencing a service interruption because of some change to LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and we expect to be back online in the next 24 hours. What they're doing is trying to respond to LinkedIn's code changes. 
Um, and uh, number three or, or, or C, this data will need to be more, uh, more closely monitored and verified and enriched in order to keep uh, your utility of that tool uh, high, meaning uh, you grab a data set, you can't just rely on that data set as it gets pumped out by these cheap tools. You have to go and verify the data. Again, you have to enrich it. You have to make sure that you're sending to accurate email addresses or you not only uh, will get slapped, but um, you, you may lose the health of your domain, uh, which is another conversation not fit for yeah. this question. So um, that's that. Now, uh, unless you have anything else to add on what I just said, I'll, I'll get into section three. I think, I think we'll cover that in section three. We do come back to this a little bit uh, in section three. So let's, let's go there. Yeah, let's do it. So um, let me just edit this real quick. I have okay. another one of these hypertext links that uh, is showing metadata there. So let me just edit that. Got it. Now, um, section three, we want to talk about Sales Navigator yeah. um, versus LinkedIn. And the title of the section is Sales Navigator will become more necessary while LinkedIn becomes less useful. And again, these are speculative projections for 2018 in our personal experience and our personal, um, um, you know, out of our out of our expectations, not meant to be taken as as how it will be. Um, so again, we believe Sales Navigator will become more useful in 2018. Um, now, um, let me do this. I'll touch on just uh, the brief overview and then you can go into um, the specific differentiators yeah. uh, between the two for everybody. So um, just to give kind of a high level, everyone knows LinkedIn.com. Now the revenue model, um, I believe, and, and I believe Karen, you're in agreement with this, mm. um, is going to be more and more reliant on Sales Navigator specifically um, as users are increasingly relying on LinkedIn for personal branding, for networking, for um, linking up and joining and expanding uh, their, their personal brands online. Um, so obviously LinkedIn is a business, they rely on revenue. Uh, so my expectation is their products being um, in a few different categories for recruiting, for promoting your, yourself to recruiters. And then again, just for being able to uh, comb through the network using advanced filtering, those are products that LinkedIn pushes. Um, I believe they are going to monetize more and more yeah. Uh, which comes twofold in a sort of limiting the free utility of LinkedIn and then B um, uh, making it more and more uh, uh, useful uh, to be used from a paid standpoint at a premium level or a sales navigator as a product for your, 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 your team. So um, why don't you go ahead and talk about the differences between sales navigator and LinkedIn. And then obviously we have those screenshots that you can refer to yeah. as you uh, talk about those sections. Yeah, sure. Uh, the regular um, LinkedIn research uh, uh, is becoming more and more limited, um, you know, in, in the last, I think, one uh, around one year. I think it started happening after Microsoft acquired LinkedIn. And obviously they wanted to monetize a, a, a purchase of a, um, you know, uh, a unicorn and, and mm -hmm. start getting getting revenues uh what you just said about sales navigator being their main money maker is absolutely right um mm. it is very valuable and i think it, it's totally justified to buy sales navigator i have sales navigator i'm pretty sure you have it too and pretty much any salesperson that i know relies on it um you can't really compare 
the the value that Sales Navigator provides to the regular LinkedIn anymore. Uh, it used to be comparable. However, LinkedIn has limited the normal uh, uh, search so much that it can only be used for personal use, not really for any kind of scalable professional use. First of all, uh, the filters that you can deploy to, to find the niche that you want uh, in, in people search, um, I think there are maybe five filters versus uh, 12, or 12 or 15 filters uh, in, in a sales navigator. So there is just a much more granular, much more focused way that you can search for people uh, in, in uh, um, a sales navigator compared to uh, regular LinkedIn. And then there are limitations of usage. Uh, these limitations are not public, uh, publicized anywhere. The LinkedIn is not providing a public answer to the number of profiles you can view or number of searches you can run. However, um, I think if you would try to look at um, you know, um, search results for regular LinkedIn, uh, mm -hmm. at one point you will see a, a message by, by LinkedIn saying you have reached the, the, uh, the you know, uh, limit allowed to free members uh, to, to view search results. Um, and in LinkedIn Sales Navigator, that's not really the case. Um, whereas the LinkedIn, regular LinkedIn's uh, limitation is per month, by the way, uh, LinkedIn Sales Navigator's uh, limit is per day. Uh, it's it's mm. higher than the monthly limit of regular LinkedIn, uh, just so you know. So there's almost 20 to 30 times more volume that you can actually view when it comes to Sales Navigator versus uh, you know regular LinkedIn, and there's a clear disparity there in, in the amount of value that you can get. Now, trying to connect also this with the point of using uh, you know Chrome plugins to get data, um, you're going to invest in a process, you're going to invest in a tool. Even though these tools are cheap, let's say you have a team of 20 SDRs, you you're gonna get them all the same product to have a consistent method. Um, it, it becomes pretty useless if, if you can't really deep dive into the kind of market that you want to target and you can't really have the volumes that you need to, to maximize the return of all that setup, mm -hmm. paying for those tools and so forth, right? Yep. So uh, there's going to be a very strong shift from regular LinkedIn to uh, LinkedIn sales down here. Got right? it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just all right. Point uh, about, uh, sorry, Alex, just a point about the company search. Uh, there is no longer a company search in LinkedIn. Yeah. I was <laughs> just editing that. Yeah, I see the, the filter that we have, the screenshot here. Yeah, it's um, totally gone. And I think it was removed um, uh, early last year. And now you can just do uh, LinkedIn, uh, I mean, account search only in, in uh, uh, Sales Navigator, which is a very, very good in-depth search. You can even look for technologies being used. You can look mm -hmm. for if they are hiring or not. Uh, you know, headcount, headcount of a department, right? So you can have a lot of, uh, you know, granular way to find companies, really find the people that you want mm -hmm. and or companies that you want and then target them according to the account-based marketing, of course. And then, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be an unmissable tool for salespeople. This is what I'm, mm -hmm. what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And uh, the company search page that we show here on screen, I believe um, this this happened last year at some point, removing some of those filters in the free LinkedIn.com yeah. option. So just another example of LinkedIn trying to push people into one of their paid uh, programs. Um, in this case, you would have to jump on the sales navigator 
to get what we show down here, which is the robust company filtering by headcount. Uh, you know, you can filter by past company, you can filter by industry, um, location, geography, all that good stuff. Um, so there's a, there's a quick side-by-side -side of free filters available to any LinkedIn user, and then the filters available to, um, to LinkedIn sales navigator user. And uh, this one does not show it, but uh, two weeks ago at the time of this recording, they released their technology filter, which allows you to search companies that have a certain technology on their website or use a certain technology, yeah. how they get that data is up for discussion, but um, that's competing with companies like Datanize uh, and similar tech. Similar tech, um, yeah. Yeah, my personal favorite, similar tech. Oh, Just yeah. uh, throwing that out there. <laughs> but uh, that'll be interesting to see how they how they monetize that feature and if they do any PR or anything around it. Um, and uh, I, I don't know if you mentioned, uh, did you mention uh, Sales Navigator applications or want to touch on that at all? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can definitely touch on that. So uh, the Sales Navigator application platform, or the SNAP, uh, is, is basically uh, LinkedIn's, um, let's say, approach to integrating several different tools uh, to increase the value that Sales Navigator provides to its users, mm -hmm. right? And uh, already, you know, uh, companies like Salesforce, HubSpot, um, uh, you know, engage your Infor, uh, Oracle, uh, Hebris, uh, a lot of different um, tools which are used in sales and sales automation and lead generation are linking with the API of um, uh, Sales Navigator. And their, their mm -hmm. use case can then be deployed while using uh, sales Navigator, which of course mm -hmm. increases the value of Sales Navigator and that increases the value of the tool that you're connecting with with uh, uh, LinkedIn Sales Navigator. So imagine you're using a software like uh, SalesLoft, and uh, before you had to use some sort of a plugin, maybe like mm -hmm. uh, Hunter, and uh, um, you were you were pulling data and then importing it into SalesLoft and then doing it doing these activities. Now SalesLoft will simply be integrated with yep. the sales navigator and all those smaller tools. And this is how LinkedIn is doing it. It's working first with the biggest players. And I think later on, it's going to create a more competitive marketplace where there are more examples of the same particular use case competing against each other. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. So uh, th that is going to be a trend where LinkedIn sales navigator becomes a very, very integrated um, um, source of data and then also uh, campaigning to prospects and so forth. Yeah, and uh, the interesting use case, not interesting, but the, the obvious use case is if you're using LinkedIn ads for your lead generation um, and you wanna make sure that uh, those replying to your ads um, are actually going into your CRM and being pulled in and out of campaigns based on uh, their status in your CRM, right? That's a very perfect right. use case of this. Um, you go ahead and make sure that those two are integrated and connected. And that's LinkedIn allowing you to um, run more automated lead generation processes, more targeted lead generation processes based on uh, context that you already have in your CRM and context coming from LinkedIn and being put into your CRM. So I just talked to a client about that a couple of days ago. So that's a very, uh, very important one that we'll have to make sure is explained in this answer. I'll add that. So uh, final recap of changes to LinkedIn, which will affect lead generation. Um, 
again, my opinion. So uh, users will be uh, more cognizant of privacy settings. You see a lot more posts of uh, people showing others via screen share how to adjust their privacy settings, which limit the amount of messaging or the annoyance of prospectors and um, lead generation people. Uh, so that's going to be more prevalent. So uh, those settings are going to be adjusted more often, which make it difficult for you to run automations and get those connection requests and generate those leads. Um, so, uh, so that would be a trend. Another one would be LinkedIn uh, further restricting the capabilities of featuring on the free version. Um, and and, and uh, lastly, uh, the number of connection requests per month per day um, that has been restricted over the last couple of years. And I believe uh, there's further restrictions uh, to be had with regards to how much you can do on the LinkedIn free version with regards to um, obviously growing your network and making sure that you can expand that on an automated basis. So they'll be more aware of you running an automation and they'll try to limit that and hit you with those blocks. So you are forced to upgrade. Um, now, uh, Kern, can you do this for me? Um, just recap that uh, those last three points of changes to sales navigator specifically. Yeah, of course. Um, one of the key changes, as I just mentioned, that you will see is that the increased number of integrations uh, via the uh, uh, you know, snap. Uh, mm -hmm. um, that will increase the value of uh, Sales Navigator. Um, another thing which is not yet listed, maybe you can type it now, is that LinkedIn will be making their, their entry barrier lower. They used to have a pricing which was, um, you know, you have the regular LinkedIn Sales Navigator or the team version, and the team version was immediately a year contract for 10 users. Uh, they, are, they are mellowing down a little bit with that because they, they realize that it's a very high a high uh, uh, price point, and they are now going for monthly cancel anytime team version, which is almost uh, 50 to 60 percent more costly. But it provides you then a lot of these uh, extra features, such as being able to use the apps which are on the Snap. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. Another thing that they are going to be doing, and what you see already with the technologies used, and then headcount of the company, and whether or not a company is hiring people right now, um, further granularizing your research uh, and filters, right? Mm -hmm. So for companies that have, you know, niche products, and again, I think this is something uh, we can also talk about in a separate podcast, are there are more mm -hmm. solutions now for every problem than there were before. So markets are becoming segmented. And therefore, in order to reach a market, you need to really target your niche. And mm -hmm. Sales Navigator is becoming one of the key sources to really find your niche, right? And that's basically following the trend of, them providing you with more filters, them providing you with more uh, uh, data on, on the people that, that are visible and the companies that are visible for you to actually act on that in a more precise, uh, relevant and, and value providing way. Kind of like all everything that we believe in and what, what, we, what, we, what we have been promoting in our previous podcast, LinkedIn Sales Navigator will allow you to do that, right? And then um, LinkedIn is also going to monetize the third plus degrees. So let's say you have a lot of people in your network and you have the first, second, and the third degree. These will be easily viewable by you, even if you're when you're using Sales Navigator. But I think LinkedIn is realizing that more and more people need to find people which are beyond uh, the third degree 
Um, and LinkedIn is going to limit the, or actually has already limited the amount of people that you can see which are not within your three degrees. And that's going to be a monetizing, that's uh, um, a feature for them as well. So these are three trends. Third one is not that important, but still three trends that I wanted to share. Perfect. All right. So I added uh, LinkedIn will reduce the cost of sales navigator. Um, obviously, yeah. more integrations, increase in number of filters um, and monetization of the data by upselling profile, which is uh, third degree stuff. Then we go into the screenshots of the filtering. Um, and then uh, let's do a quick conclusion here. And I know you just spoke, but go ahead and um, yeah. conclude. And then I'll add some final thoughts. Uh, sure. Now, the conclusion is a bit, uh, you know, broad strokes. But what I see is happening in the in not only just 2018, I mean, we're already in the second half of it, but also 2019, is that uh, uh, there will simply be a much higher focus on data quality and uh, mm -hmm. data freshness um, to be able to generate high quality leads, right? Um, mm -hmm. uh, as we spoke at the start of the uh, start of the podcast, th this is partially to the uh, legal frameworks. And uh, uh, the other part is, of course, that there's simply way more noise. So you will need, a, let's say, a much higher quality of data to act on um, to be able to stand out of the noise and, and close your business, right? Close your, close your deals. Now, um, the second main trend will be the shift from just spray and pray to, to value provision. From the first step to the last, you will be providing value to the people that are not necessarily, they don't even need to be buy your, buying your product, but still the value provision should just be the, the default way that uh, SDRs, lead generators, marketers will be interacting with their market with the basis of I'm going to provide you value with every step that you interact with, regardless of whether or not this turns into a deal. Relevance and timing are going to be the other parts which actually enable your value provision. If you're sending an irrelevant message, even though it could be valuable to their colleague, it's not valuable to them. So the relevance and timing are going to be also very, very important in the successful lead generation. Finally, the tool sets are going to evolve Right. Uh, we saw a very good example of how Sales Navigator is kind of making regular LinkedIn obsolete for for any kind of, uh, you know, reliable, persistent lead generation capabilities. So um, that will be the first trend. Tools will be replacing each other where LinkedIn Sales Navigator is replacing, uh, replacing LinkedIn. And the second core trend there will be that a lot of tools will be becoming more integrated with each other. Yeah, the use case will not be complete with just one. So there will be tools which are either uh, uh, multi-purpose, which are allowing you to do a lot of different things, or tools which are very, very good at integrating with the uh, uh, vast amount of solutions that are available in the sales automation, the lead generation automation domain. Yeah, so these are the three key, uh, uh, you know, overarching thematics that I am noticing. Got it. I just had to ignore a call, so out but um, just to recap uh, we have generate high quality data uh, to remain compliant uh, relevance and timing of the value proposition the outreach itself uh, and then obviously integrations and having tools that work in unison 
um, not this desperate kind of uh, automate this and scrape that and hopefully grab some use here and there, but create a system that's uh, that's um, integrated and, and, and useful uh, for, for these single use cases. Um, great, uh, I'll just add this, I have some final thoughts. Um, again, this is lead generation trends in 2018. Um, the prediction is, 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 is more focused on one-to-one -one communication on all levels. Um, this will be not only a best practice, but this will start to become expected from prospects that uh, you're reaching out to, because if you are not doing it, your competitors will be. So creating those really robust one-to-one -one communication campaigns, talking specifically to that person so they feel like you know a lot more about them uh, than you may know. Um, and using the tools necessary to do that will be one big trend. Um, and then uh, along those lines, um, conversion of these one-to-one -one conversations, in my opinion, will rely more and more on uh, the validation or the ability of your prospect to validate you and your personal brand. So oh, yeah. uh, not just looking at your company's webpage, but going to your LinkedIn profile, going to your core profile and seeing what you know about the subject matter that you're trying to sell them on, cold email marketing, lead generation, whatever, financial advice. This is uh, going to be more prevalent in lead generation in 2018, building your personal brand so that customers can check in on that as well as your company's product. All right. Anything else? Just to add to your point, by the way, the, the, uh, the leadership point, I think it's absolutely correct. And it is going to make, and this is already happening, the salesperson will become very, very important. Uh, there is, you know, sometimes conversation happening that salespeople are becoming irrelevant. It's absolutely not the case. They're only becoming more and more important. And now the role of the salesperson mm -hmm. is going to turn into more of a, a thought leader, a, a, an educator, and helping to make the right choice based on the, the the solution that you want yeah so uh, i totally agree with you on i love that i love that so extending past the ceo uh to the person that's actually performing the outreach the salesperson that person needs to not only know go through training and know about the product but know about the ecosystem know about the industry um and not only know about it but show that they know about it by being a thought leader, publishing content, answering questions, getting involved in discussions, jumping on our podcast, that kind of stuff. Um, so so that's, a a, that's, a, that's a great answer. So the science, yeah. you're welcome. I think we did our job here um, and right. we look forward to uh, uh, doing another. So keep them coming. Absolutely. Thank All you, right. Alex. Thanks, Karen. Take care. Bye.